Tell your neighbor hi. Tell them hello. Tell them welcome. Tell them, tell them where you're going for lunch. Tell them, uh, tell them something. Get some, get some noise up in here. All right. I, someone told me this week. I visited your church. It's really quiet. Well, I try to get people to to talk back at me, but sometimes I don't want them to. So, um, thank you so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold. If you're new here. Uh, we just ask that you fill out a card. I'm not going to come over to your house for, for dinner tonight, uh, but I am going to send you a card in the mail just to say thank you for your time uh, and we, how much we love having you uh, here. I've got one more announcement this week, and uh, it's a big one because it's about next Sunday. And next Sunday, we will have here speaking for us, my pastor, Derek Fry, in the house. And so I want to announce that to make sure that you mark it on your calendars. Next weekend is also Memorial Day weekend. So guess what? Summer is finally here, right? We live in Maine. We're so glad that summer is here. Yes. But summer also means people from Massachusetts. We know that, right? So in honor of people from Massachusetts, my pastor, who is from Massachusetts, will be here on Sunday. He actually called me and he was like, Adam, I need to come speak at your church. How's Memorial Day weekend sound? And I was like, yeah, come with all the other people from Massachusetts, we'll just say. How's that? Uh, (laughs) uh, So we want to invite you to come next Sunday. Be here for for that. You won't want to miss Pastor Derek. He is, um, he's my spiritual father. He's my pastor, he's my leader, and uh, I, I go to him for a lot of counsel and guidance. And so I always like to bring uh, people that I go to for, for authority in my life, for accountability. And uh, if there's ever anything in, that I do to make you angry, you can go to him as well. Um, and he'll, and, you know, he can, he, he's my father, right? He's my sp- spiritual father. So um, he'll be here. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be great. So um, how about, a, wasn't that video awesome? I love, so this is the third video in our series that we're calling Spiritual Growth Chart. And um, we started this seven weeks ago on Easter Sunday. That's how long we've been doing it. Normally, we don't do series that last seven weeks, but um, we had two interruptions, which were fantastic interruptions. Uh, on April 23rd, we had my counselor, Mark Malding, here that did a great job talking about forgiveness and freedom from our past. And if you missed that message, you can go back to refugemain.church messages and you can listen to that. And then last week on Mother's Day, we had the mama of the house speaking, and I just loved it because I got to show everyone just how much out of my league I am, because uh, my, my wife, Tanya, who leads this church with me, uh, spoke, and she did a phenomenal job. And I mean, I heard people this week, I didn't even tell, tell Tanya this, but I've heard people throughout the week saying, what a great message that was from, from Tanya. And so she talked about being a, a, a mother to our, our kids and being a parent to our kids. But today, we're going to continue this series in spiritual growth chart, getting to the final phase of spiritual growth, being the spiritual parent. And so I'm excited to talk about being a spiritual parent this morning. In this series, uh, we began by talking about everyone that's ever conceived is born or is conceived spiritually dead. 
We start spiritually dead. So in this series, it's just like standing up next to the wall and um, having your mom get out the, the, the ruler and, the, and the, the pencil and, and marking your growth progress. We're just marking our growth progress spiritually because I think so oftentimes in life, we live through life and there's two different, there's, there's two things about life, one, one physical and one spiritual. God always wants us to think spiritually but oftentimes we, we usually just think physically and we don't often measure up against the wall when it comes to spiritual, our spirituality, our spiritual health. Well, there's, there's five phases of spiritual growth and that's what we've been talking about. So week one, we talked about how everyone is ever conceived is conceived spiritually dead. Everyone has a dead spirit. We have the body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is dead until you call on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. And Jesus came back from the dead. He resurrected from the dead so that when we believe in him and invite him into our life, he breathes life into that spirit, and that spirit is born again. That's what he talked about with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And when our spirit is born again, we come out of the spiritual womb walking like adults. No, that's silly. But oftentimes we think that someone that just came to know Jesus is supposed to walk like a spiritual adult. Because, well, they're, they're an adult when they came to know Jesus. They should, get, they should understand this. They've heard about Jesus. That's not the way it works. Because I've never seen a physical baby walk out of the womb. If you have, then we'll talk afterwards. You walk, you, you, you're born as an infant, and so you're, we, we had spiritual infants, and we defined spiritual infants in week two. We said that spiritual infants, usually, they don't feed themselves. They are fed by someone else. And so a lot of times in the spiritual walk, especially when we come to know Jesus, we need someone to walk alongside of us to feed us, to help us understand God's word. To walk through, walk, walk with us. Some of you only come on Sunday morning to get fed spiritually because you're an infant. It's not until you start to feed yourself that you become a spiritual child. In week three, we talked about being spiritual children. And we talked about how in this phase, you learn obedience. Spiritual children are learning what it means to obey as they're feeding themselves. A, an, a, an adult with a, with a baby isn't going to tell their, their six-month-old, go into the pantry, get out some macaroni and cheese, come back, cook it, and then feed yourself. Now, a four-year-old, you're not going to tell to go into the pantry and maybe some four-year-olds. <laughs> I don't know. But you're going you're gonna to prepare the food for them and you're going to pick it out based on what's in the pantry. And then you're going to give it to them. And then they're going to pick up the spoon and they're going to put it in their mouth. Because eventually they have to start feeding themselves. But in the, in the child phase, you, you start to learn what it means to obey God. You start to learn obedience. 
In week three, we baptized 21 people. that were in the child phase because they're learning how to grow. And listen, some of the 21 that got baptized have just taken off since then because in the child phase, you're learning the foundation. You're building your foundation. You're learning what it means to obey. Again, to use, I love how the parallel is with the physical and the spiritual because with your six-month-old, you're not going to tell him, pick up your toys. I'll be back in five minutes, son. If you don't pick up your toys, you're in big trouble. He's six months old. But now you're four-year-old. You say, son, you need to pick up your toys. And if, you don't, if, I, if I come in and they're not picked up, guess what? There's, these days you're going to go in timeout, right? You're going to discipline them somehow, some way. Because they didn't obey you. So as spiritual children, we're learning what it means to obey. Then week four, we talked about the, um, about the, the young adult phase. So you go from being a child to a young adult. In this phase, we said that you're, you're progressing and you're learning what it means to surrender. You're learning what it means to live with open hands to give of your time, your talent, and your treasures to build the kingdom of God. But you're learning what surrender looks like. It's a process of surrender. You're learning how to budget so that you can fit God's 10% into what you're doing. Because that's what God asks of us. But it's a process of learning surrender and living with open hands. We talked about that in week four, two weeks ago. Today, we're talking about the final phase, spiritual parent. Listen, if you're here and you're like, man, I've missed a lot of this series. I haven't been here. Um, you can go back and listen to any of our messages, refugemain.church slash messages. And you can, I would encourage you to, to listen to each phase and to see. Maybe you, maybe you listen to my introduction and you're like, I think I might be there. Go back and listen to that one and see where you're at. See where God wants you. See what God wants you to do. And the next one, to grow, because listen, <laughs> if, you're, if you've been a believer for 30 years and you're still an infant, that's a problem. I don't see any 30-year-old babies. So we want people to grow, and, and God wants you to grow. That's God's plan for your life. And so we're in spiritual parent in the spiritual parent phase. Um, one thing I wanted to say is that our goal as a church is to be full of spiritual parents. We want to be a church full of spiritual parents. But here's the thing. We cannot be a church full of spiritual parents. You know why? What do parents have? They have kids. They have babies. Right. So we're always going to have babies represented. We're always going to have kids represented. We're always going to have every phase represented in this church because that's God's plan for his family. But our goal is to get everyone to the parent phase. So let me give you the definition of a spiritual parent this morning. It's this. In this stage, the parent has a solid understanding of God's word and a deep abiding relationship with the Father. 
They know what it means to abide in him. They're living out God's word in their lives daily. They are others-centered and God-dependent. That's huge. Others-centered, God-dependent. They are able to reproduce mature disciples of Christ by inviting others to follow them as they follow Jesus. Some traits of the spiritual parent. They are mature disciples of Jesus, but continually growing in their personal relationship with God as a disciple of Jesus. They're skilled in assessing where other people are in their discipleship process and getting personally involved to help them grow and develop. We have to have parents that come along children and help get them to the young adult phase. We have to if we're going to grow. They understand their role as one who needs intentional, in, uh, intent, has to intentionally invest, easy for you to say, to invest in others, making disciples who make disciples. They're becoming a coach who develops other players and leaders. The, we, we teach our leaders to always be looking for the next leader. Always be looking for someone that can take your job. And when you see someone that does your job better than you do, get out the way. Right? Because that's what spiritual growth does. It, it invests in the, other, in the next generation. And as someone comes up that can do it better than us, we get out of the way. You know what that causes you to do? That causes you to be on your game. Right? That causes you to work on your craft. That causes you to be the very best that you can be so that someone that's, and, and listen, if we're all doing our best, holy cow, watch out. We want everybody to do their best. As a spiritual parent, you give your time and your money as an investment in building God's kingdom. It's an investment it's the best investment that you can ever make because it's building eternity, not your portfolio. I want to, I mean, like, I want to build a spiritual portfolio, right? I want, I want to get to heaven and God be like, wow, this is a wealthy man because of what he did. He might not have had a lot on earth, but he was wealthy in me. And that brings me to today's big idea. The big idea, if I have one thing I want to communicate with all of us today, it's this one. Are you still with me? Because it sounds pretty, pretty quiet in this church. Spiritual parents understand that their purpose is to build God's kingdom. Spiritual parents understand that their purpose is to build God's kingdom. Kingdom. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be all in Luke 10, Luke, Luke 10 today. Um, if you want to follow along with the notes, you can do so in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, all of our notes for today are available in there. You can read point two before I get to it. All right, that's, how, that's the advantage of getting on, on YouVersion. If you remember two weeks ago, I, I spoke on Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 27, and that was in talking about being a spiritual young adult. 
And what Jesus is telling his disciples there is if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross daily. You have to surrender and follow me. And so we talked about surrender. That's in Luke 9. Now we're in Luke 10 where the, those disciples that Jesus was talking to about surrender, he's, he's telling them, all right, let's see how you're doing with this. Let's send you out. And I love Luke 10. 1 through 20 is where we're going to read this morning, but we're going to chunk it up. I love studying God's word in chunks. So we're going to, read the, we're going to begin by reading the first four verses. Um, let's read those after we ask the Father into our conversation. Can we, can we pray? Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for um, the way that you love me in it, the way that it is a sword, it, it penetrates my soul and my spirit, and it, it gets rid of the things inside of me that don't need to be there. And it shows me how to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So, Father, I just invite you to this conversation this morning, that your voice would be louder than my voice, and that you would speak directly to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, you're still with me? I'm going to read now, all right? Verse 1 of Luke 10 says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. Now hold up. I thought, I thought Jesus had 12 disciples, Pastor Adam. So many scholars believe that at one point Jesus had as many as 500 people following him. In this, in this verse, he's sending out 72 other disciples. Okay, keep reading. And sent them ahead in pairs, two by two, to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. These were the instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Who's ready to sign up for this? I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop and greet anyone along the way. Now, before I give you four things that spiritual parents are able to do, I want to point out a couple of things. The first thing I want to point out is the word harvest. Do you know what the word harvest there represents? Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest there is God's kingdom. The reason it's God's kingdom is because the harvest represents those people that haven't quite given their heart to Jesus yet. They haven't quite become spiritual infants yet, but they're about to. But he's saying, we need more workers to go and to tell people about my kingdom. The harvest represents God's kingdom. So if you're taking notes, just write the harvest and then write equals God's kingdom so that you understand what the harvest is. The second thing I want to point out is verse four. He said, don't take any money with you, nor traveler's bags, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone 
along the way. Have you ever been on a road trip? Of course you've been on a road trip. Have you ever been on vacation? Hello, vacation land. So when you go on a road trip, what do you pack? Well, let me, exp- let me, let me ask it this way. When you go on a road trip, how do you pack? How do you pack for a road trip? You sit there and you go, all right, so on Monday, I'm going to go to Disney World. On Tuesday, I'm going to go to the beach, so I better pack my, my swimsuit. I need to pack, you know, I, I should probably pack some sunscreen. That's a good one. You could probably pack. And so what you're doing is you're, you're not just planning, but you're planning according to your expectation. I'm expecting to go here. I'm expecting to go there. And so I want to give you four things this morning that every spiritual parent is able to do. Number one, spiritual parents are able to drop their expectations. Jesus said, don't pack extra sandals. In fact, he said, you're going out as lambs among wolves, but don't pack your shotgun. Don't expect anything except for me to show up and be there with you. Spiritual parents are able to drop their expectations, number one. Keep reading verse five. Actually, look at 4B. Verse 4B says, and don't stop and greet anyone on the road. Verse 5. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Eating and drinking, they, what they provide, don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Like, it's okay to receive a, a blessing from somebody else. You've poured into them. Allow them to, to, to give back to you. Verse 8, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, Eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Why would Jesus tell them, don't stop along the way? Don't stop and talk to anybody along the way. Why would he, why would he say that? Aren't they, aren't they going to share the gospel? Aren't they supposed to have conversation? Why would he tell them not to get Distracted with conversation along the way because number two is parents, spiritual parents, are able to pass by the distractions. You're able to pass by the distractions. He tells him, go to one house and focus on that house. Focus on the one. Pour into that one person. Don't get distracted by everything else that's going on in culture. Focus on the gospel. Focus on what I'm telling you to do 
from what I see in scripture, there's only one mission for God's people that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to immerse people in who they are in Jesus. That's what baptism is. Baptizo means to immerse. Immerse people in who they are in Christ. Make disciples so that those disciples can make other disciples and we can multiply. God is always in the business of multiplication. But if we're going to multiply, we cannot get distracted by the small things. That's why he said to go into house by house. Receive what they give you, but keep working to build my kingdom I think Satan does a really good job at distracting the church today, at distracting um, Christians today. But in specifically the church, can, can I make a, a confession to you this morning? This is some, conversa- this is some, uh, some language that we need, to, we need to change in our church. And, and, I, and I've, been, I've been meaning to change it for, for months now. In our, in our My Refuge, we talk about um, on the dream team, you, you discover your purpose. I think that there's some, some truth to that. That's why I haven't changed it. But here's the problem. The church gets the gift confused with the purpose. We get the gift confused with the purpose. We think that because we're good at this, so I'll just pick on Um, on singing, for example. We think that because we're good at singing, that our purpose is to sing. No, no, no. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to sing about the good news of Jesus, to tell other people about the good news of Jesus, because the good news of Jesus will change their life, not your voice. Your voice will be used to get someone's attention because it's a gift, but it's not your purpose. And we confuse the gifting for the purpose. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to share the good news of Jesus with others. Because it's the best news that the world has ever heard but Satan is distracting us, making us think that our mission is to get rid of specific sins and not to point people to the Savior that can save them from those specific sins. And I believe that Jesus is coming back soon and very soon. And one of the reasons I believe that is because Satan has distracted the church so much from the purpose of telling people about Jesus that we think that it's about protecting our kids. I'll go there. We think that it's about something that the world has made political. Satan has used politics long enough to distract the church from their purpose. And I'm not going to let it happen on my watch. 
We're going to allow the Savior to rescue people from their sin, period. We can't be distracted. We have to pass by the distractions. Verse 10. Man, I kind of preached there for a second, didn't I? (laughs) But if a town refuses to welcome you, go into the streets and say, I love Jesus' insults. Did you know that Jesus, like, like, listen to this insult. You ready? We wipe even the dust of your town from your, our feet. Like, you're, the dust of your, of your town isn't even worth carrying on my sandals. We wipe the dust of your town from our feet to show you that we have abandoned you to your fate. Can I just point out how scary that is? To abandon the people that you love to the fate that they face because of their rejection of Jesus Christ? If we really believe that they are destined for hell without God, we would do everything we can to love them to Jesus Christ. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. What sorrow awaits Corazan and Bethsaida? For if the miracles that I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long, long ago clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show remorse. Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Jesus got personal here. Verse 15. And you people of Capernaum will be honored in, will, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead, the place of the people with dead spirits, which is eternity without God. Verse 16, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Oh, this, listen, I didn't, I didn't see this until just now. I, I, I mean it. What he just said, anyone who accepts your message They aren't accepting you. They're accepting me. So don't let it go to your head, the people that say yes. Don't let it, don't let your sales, if I can put it in these these terms, don't let your sales go to your head. Don't let the people that follow you go to your head. They're, uh, they're, They're accepting me, not you. I had to preach it because I just saw it. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. You know, like, I love how, God, how, how Jesus points back to, to the Father. He's like, and it's not even about me who died on the cross or who's going to die on the cross. It's about God who sent me into the world to fulfill this mission. It's always about the Father. It's about following him, being connected to him, 
but Jesus here talks about something that human beings have a hard time with, and he spends a lot of time talking about it. It's number three. Number three, spiritual parents are able to shake off the rejections. We shake off the rejections. I love the language that he uses. He, he's like, the dust of your feet, it's not even good enough to be on our sandals. We're just going to wipe it off because we're going to send you to your fate. But by the way, the kingdom that I'm telling you about, it's a lot closer than you think it is. But they're able to pass by the rejections for the sake of the kingdom of God, to build, the, to build God's kingdom. Listen, I know some of you have been pouring into people for years and years and years, and they just cannot get it. They just won't come to know Jesus. I believe that God, that, that, that Jesus here is giving you permission to move on. That's tragic. It's, it's hard. But he says, go into a house, set up shop, and if they reject you, keep moving on. Keep going. Pass by the distractions. And then he gets personal and he names out, he calls out, um, actually, it's six different towns. I, I, I saw, as I, as I read it the first, um, this time, I saw a six. I thought it was five earlier. Um, they're the towns of Sodom first, then Chorazan, then Bethsaida, and then Capernaum and then Tyree, and then Sidon. Those are the six towns that he mentions, but why does he mention them? All these towns, the, the five, Sodom, he's referring to Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed in the Old Testament. But um, the remaining five were all towns that Jesus had spent time in. I love how brilliant this is. He's like, I've been to all these towns, and guess what they did to me? Guess what they did to him? You can guess. They rejected him. They rejected Jesus. And so he's saying, I'm sending you out to these towns. And if they reject you, don't worry. They've already rejected me. But then he gets personal and he gets personal with the chosen people. With God's chosen people. And unless you understand the context of the towns, you don't, you don't pick up on it. So he names Tyre and Sidon. And what he says about Tyre and Sidon is he says they're going to be better off than Chorazan, Bethsaida, and Capernaum on Judgment Day. Now, he divides these, these five, and it's, it's really brilliant. So Ty, uh, Tyre and Sidon are two towns that are known for being Gentile cities. They're not, they don't have Jewish people there. They're God's chosen people. They're the people that were supposed to have the, the, the Old Testament, the, um, it all figured out, the Hebrew scriptures. They were supposed, they had it all together. They were the religious people of the day. But those were in Capernaum and Bethsaida and, um, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Chorazan. Those, those represent Jewish communities. Tyre and Sidon were known as pagan Gentiles. And what Jesus is pointing out is he's pointing out the rejection that the Jews would give the Messiah. 
He's saying, listen, my chosen people, they're going to reject me as the Messiah. But the Gentiles are going to receive me as the Messiah. And they'll be better off on Judgment Day because they've received me. It was a spit in the face of God's chosen people. As spiritual parents, we have to learn to shake off rejection. So let's review real quick. Spiritual parents are able to drop expectations. They're able to pass by distractions. They're able to shake off rejections. Read verse 17 through 20, and we'll get to number four. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him. I love this. Watch this. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. Are you ready for it? I don't think you are. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. And nothing will injure you. You know what Jesus said just there? Duh. <laughs> Like, that's what he's saying. Duh. Like, of course you have authority over Satan. I watched him fall from heaven. I saw him fall like a dog. You have authority over him. That's peanuts. Why are you celebrating that? Watch what he says in verse 20. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Because your names are registered in heaven. Number four, spiritual parents make room for celebration. In order to make room for celebration, we have to celebrate the right things. If you're too busy celebrating the small things, you won't celebrate the big things. You have to learn to celebrate what is worthy of being celebrated. As a spiritual parent, there is no greater joy than those that come to know Jesus. Come to know Jesus. There's no greater joy than a new name is written down in glory. And it's mine. There's no greater joy the angels in heaven celebrate for the one that comes to know Jesus. Spiritual parents make room to celebrate. The 72 others, the 72 disciples that are sent out, they come back to Jesus and they're like, bro, you won't believe it. The demons, they listen to us. When we use your name, and Jesus is like, duh, 
that's small. You're celebrating the wrong thing. Celebrate not even the other people that came to know Jesus. You know why? You know why I think Jesus is saying, don't celebrate the people that came to know Jesus, but celebrate that your name is written in glory? You know why? Because if we celebrate everyone that comes to know Jesus because of us, you know what we eventually start to celebrate? Us. Look what I did. Look at the person that I brought to Jesus. It's never about me. It is always about Jesus and his kingdom and only his kingdom. And God's word is always pointing us to that. So the question for you is simple today. Is your name written in heaven? Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every bow, every head bowed. Have a have a moment. Let's have a moment. Isn't God's word incredible? I love walking through it. The question for you today is, is your name written in heaven? If it's not, we want to help you with that. We want to help you have your name written in heaven. It's really easy. In fact, I think we often try to make it too hard. We think that something as such a big deal as having our name written in heaven should be, should be hard. I should have something to do with it. You don't. The only thing that you have to do with it is by trusting in Jesus to save you from your sin and making him the king of your heart and allowing him to transform you from the inside out because you can't do it alone. How many of you would say, Pastor Adam, I, my name's not written in heaven, but I want it to be. I want it to be. Would you, would you just let me know by raising your hand? Just say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I want my name written in heaven. Thank you. Anybody else? I want my name written in heaven. Maybe it's I want to make sure my name's written in heaven. There's only one way to do it. By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. And some of you have already done this. And if you have, then your name's written in heaven. You're an infant or a child or a young adult or a parent. But wherever you're at in the journey, it's your job to continue to grow. If you raise your hand and your name is not written in heaven, would you say this prayer with me? Just say, God, I know I need you. I believe that Jesus is your son. I ask him to be the king of my heart. Come into my life. Save me. Help me live for you. Help me grow to know you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, Kim's on my right, Dave's on my left. They would love to pray with you this morning. We're going to sing a song, and then we're going to be dismissed. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Are you glad you came to the Refuge Church this morning? Hey, we are too. Thank you so much for being here. Let's sing a song.